Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brennan. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Falls on Twitter. Way up to you, big Tennessee homer. <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, nearly rolling into the weekend here. We're just two days away, Shane, from an Epic, epic weekend of SEC football. We got two guests on the show. This is another great show. Mm -hmm. We got John Neighbors talking some Arkansas Razorbacks. We got Jordy Collada talking LSU heading into this golden boot game. I'm excited. My man, how are you? Oh, excited till I found out the golden boot will not be fought for until noon, 11 (laughs) Central. What's going on here? This whole time, for some reason... I felt like this was supposed to be a night game, but it's Ole Miss. Is that correct? Yeah, well, hell, I made a mistake during an interview with John. So I think what it's happened, a shame. Shane, you know what I think happened? And maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm just making excuses. It's, it's late in the season. All these games are starting to run together. But in two weeks, they play Ole Miss at yeah. home at night. They announced that on Tuesday. So, I, I don't know. I just got that in my head that it's a, that it's a night game. Arkansas never gets a night game in the SEC. Hell, it's been since since 2018 that they've had a real one. 2020 don't count. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that tripped us up. Apology. Man, we're just making mistakes left and right <laughs> on this damn show. You know what? I love it, man. That, I love it. Just put an asterisk by that SEC podcast because I'm sure we're correcting something the next day. <laughs> so, uh, I just – it is a shame, though, and we're going to get into that fantastic interview here in a second, but it is a, it is a shame – that, that Arkansas does not get that many home games at night. It, it's with with an opponent. Like, it's not just some – I mean, this is this is the game of the week, in my opinion, Mike. I don't know about you, but uh, that's the way we've shaped this thing up. Vegas thinks it's going to be a pivotal matchup. Mm-hmm. Alabama wants them to lose. There's there's a lot of things that are that are going into this game, and, and then it's, it's going to be figured out by 11 o'clock Central time. That's – I don't understand. I'd love to pick the brains of the people that say, hey, let's just put this one here. You know, like, are you even watching these games? Let's credit John here for a second. Hell, I feel like we're spoiling the interview already. But, you know, he wants to see the SEC give every team at least one night game in conference play. Hell, why not two? I mean, they play eight of them. They they may be playing nine here in a year or two. How difficult. I realize there's TV contracts. We sit here and complain about the noon kickoffs. Hell, if you got seven noon kickoffs, but you got two night games, I mean that that is not asking too much, is it? No, no, just flip flop that thing. Give give the listener or give the viewer a, an opportunity to choose. But I, I see what they're doing. It, it's if there's nothing else to watch, you're going to watch their show, yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of what they've done here. But I still think you know, especially with this ESPN Plus and and everything, you know, that the viewer should have a little say so too, since they're the ones paying for it. Right. Well, let's get into uh, the, what our outline here. I feel like we could complain about the scheduling for yeah. <laughs> an hour here, but you know it grinds my gears. You know, <laughs> we got a whole segment for that. So let's. Well, I just started out with a low punch, Mike. No, I am 
pumped up about this weekend. I, I, I do want to say that because there are a lot of great games and uh, we're, this is pivotal, man. It's pivotal. This is, we're starting to get to the tail end of this thing. And, and one mistake by any team could really change the whole landscape of how this season plays out. So, uh, you know, I feel like we may be on the brink and, and I hope it's not my guys of a big upset coming. Right. Well, and I know there is one upset you'll be eyeing, Shane. You hope happens. And I got again, I got to credit our following on Twitter because it seems like every time there's one of these matchups earlier in the week, they were digging up the, the drink clip against Tennessee that we featured on the last episode. Now, Shane, remember when yeah. Texas left the Big 12, headed to the SEC, of course, it was uh, some TCU senator, state senator down there in Texas who went to TCU mocking the Texas Longhorns for going to the SEC. Again, this is an old clip. This is from like 2020, 2021, whatever. But this is just too good not to share with TCU playing Texas this weekend. Hell, I'll recycle this every year if we have to. What's your athletic budget? It's over $200 million. It's probably... 220, 225 in that range. Where does that put you in the U.S.? Uh, depending on the, how you count, probably first. And that's without a winning football team of late. It's in, in spite of our, in spite of our football team. We, we've been winning, just not like we like to win. Three and seven against the Horn Frogs. Um, so um, maybe your fan base would rather lose to Alabama than TCU. So. So how about it, Shade? Obviously, <laughs> Tennessee Homer, you're going to be rooting against undefeated TCU. Absolutely. Yes. Alabama also, I think you ought to be eyeing this game. Even LSU, Shane. I mean, hell, if LSU runs the table, they're probably in. But who knows? I mean, if there's a bunch of undefeateds, they may not put a, a two-loss LSU in the playoffs. So just something to keep your eye on. We're not going to sit down here and break down TCU Texas all day long. But just know those two are playing – and oh, yeah. it'd be great for the SEC if TCU went down. You know what? Well, I was thinking of all the teams I really hate. And, you know, I found myself pulling for Notre Dame because obviously I needed them to beat Clemson. And those two teams, <laughs> they could both lose any other game. And I'd be like, I'm fine with that. But I really needed them. So I, it felt dirty pulling for the Irish there. And it feels dirty right now pulling for Texas yeah. for some reason. Uh, the Aggies are like, all right, here we go. This I've had enough of that SEC <laughs> podcast. Now they're pulling for Texas. No, I, I the thing, I obviously, we, we need TCU as a Vol fan. We need TCU. Uh, I don't think we need them, but it would be nice uh, to have that loss. So, yes, you know, I, I feel like Texas owes us one. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to – I don't want to – I don't want to drudge up history or anything like that, but I feel like I feel like they got one one favor. They owe them Tennessee Volunteers, you know, yeah. from uh, from saving them uh, from becoming part of Mexico. So, uh, <laughs> other than that, that's that's the only only thing. I think it's I think it's time to pull that card because we would love to be in the college football playoffs this year. Now, one thing, Shane, I don't even know if we even addressed it. I mean, we've we've talked. It's been discussed on this show, but I don't know if you and I have really addressed it. Again, a we're late in the season. All these shows are, are running together. But Drinkwitz got a contract extension over the weekend. They announced mm -hmm. that leading up to uh, the, the Kentucky game that they ended up losing. But we got some details on that. I, I wanted to share those real quick. He's going to start making $6 million a year. I think he was he was at five, I think, four or five. So getting a big bump there. Nice. More money for his assistance. 
1.1 million more for the for the assistance, 2.3 million for the support staff. So big commitment here from the university to the football program. Love to see that. And if he leaves for whatever reason, in uh, you know after in the next year, he has to pay six million dollars. So this more or less locks him in, I would think, for uh, for the upcoming coaching cycle. You you never want to be involved in that if you don't have to right. be. But I don't know. What's your thoughts? Briefly here on, on Drink getting an extension. Again, we've been saying time and time again, let's not put this guy on the hot seat. Let's let him build it yeah. up. But I'm trying to figure out why they're giving, giving out contract extensions at this point in time with a with a losing overall record. Well, I mean, you said so yourself earlier this season that there was even rumors of him going to Auburn. And, and you know, Eli was – I think he's one of those guys that just needed more time. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I really do think that Mizzou's got something up there. They're starting to take this NIL serious. It's it's starting to help. You're seeing them, you know, they're protecting their borders. They're getting those recruits in. So they're getting better athletically. So, and, and it's starting to show up on the field, but still they need a little more time. They, they, they need, I think we need a couple more years before we can really start judging uh, what Drink's been doing up there. So I think this is a smart move with the recruiting, not to mention the SEC's about to get paid, man. Yeah. You know, we we got plenty of money coming in, and, and when we redo these things and ABC gets involved, don't worry. We're going to find these extra millions. Uh, and all these coaches are about to get a raise. So <laughs> I think this is um, I think this is a smart move. Go ahead and lock down your, your, your boy, and uh, and it helps on the recruiting trail. Well, speaking of Auburn, Shay, we got uh, a couple comments here from their new AD, John Cohen, of course, uh, formerly of Mississippi State. And I just want to set up this first one. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm sure Auburn fans know, Shane, the story. But the former AD, Alan Green, the story is he, like, met uh, Brian Harson in a hot tub, and that, that started yeah. the relationship, and that led to the hire right out the gate. First question from our guy Brian Stoltz, Shane, he's been on the show, you know, down there at Media Days. I don't, I don't want to say he was hungover, but he was, <laughs> he was hungover. Let's just say that it seemed like so. Uh, credit him for asking old Cohen, had he ever been a hot tub with one of these football coaches? Uh, have you ever entered a job where there was so much pressure on the maybe your first hire as when it comes to the football coach? And jokingly, have you ever shared a hot tub with a Football coach. Shared a hot tub with a football coach. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a new one for me. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, not to my knowledge. Um, so it's not a welcome to the SEC, but it's a welcome to Auburn moment that that's the first question yeah. you're getting asked. You know what? Absolutely, man. You know, the first coach I thought of was that uh, last chance you guy, the <laughs> the one that was always in there in the hot tub with his dog. You know, <laughs> oh, Cohen was not ready for that one, man. <laughs> no, but he better be ready, Shade, for this football hiring process. That's why he's here to nail this hire. Yeah. If he gets this wrong, they're gonna run his ass out of town just like everybody else. So, uh, you know, briefly he talks about his process. He's got a 60-point plan or something to hire a football coach. Never heard of such a thing. But uh, And also, the big question, Shane, down there, Auburn, who's making this hire? I mean, we're, we're yeah. firing coaches because of boosters, and there was always a, a tug-of-war between Gus and these boosters. It's, it's, always a, it's always a show down there. Who's going to be making the decision? According to John Cohen, he has final authorization. That's 
I think you got to want that if you're an Auburn fan. So let's kick it back over to him one more time. Shared a hot tub with a football coach. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a new one for me. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, not to my knowledge. Um, hey, you, you know, I, I'm not a big pressure guy. I, I just see opportunity, and Auburn is a land of opportunity. I think we have a great opportunity here, um, and, and I think the, the future is really bright. Talk about the, not asking you for specifics, but just the process of a search for a job as big as, as, as the hit football coach and kind of what that is. kind of thought somebody would ask that question. <laughs> you know, I, I have a, I actually brought this, and I'm not going to open it up, but this is a very, very long process. In fact, I, I have 58 things on this piece of paper that we go through as we go through this process of looking for a, a new head football coach. Um, it, it all starts. It starts with this. It starts with culture. It starts with X's and O's, and it starts with recruiting. Those three things have to be up front, but there's a whole lot of other things that have to be answered before you get really deep into it. We're going to go to the back. John. Hey, uh, John Conn, ABC 3340 Sports in Birmingham. Um, John, I just wanted to ask you, before you accepted the job, uh, were you given assurances that you will be the chief operator when it comes to the hiring processes within the athletic department? Certainly we had those discussions. Um, and, yes, the final decision will be my own when it comes to hiring within the athletic department. But – Again, I'm going to go back. The 35-year-old version of myself would have stuck his chest out and said, this is how it's going to be. The 56-year-old version of John Cohen says, I want all the information that is available to me from everyone that I can possibly get it from at Auburn and beyond. Information's a powerful thing, and I want that information. So, again, um, certainly, uh, Dr. Roberts made it clear that these decisions will be my own. But it takes a village. It takes a group of people sharing information, sharing knowledge. And uh, quite frankly, I've, I've been on the phone a lot because we, we have to make great decisions. That's what I'm charged with doing. I stand back. All right, Shane. So I, yeah, I just wanted to share that because obviously that's the big storyline. I know Auburn right. fans were fired up about this A&M game. It was officially announced as a sellout. It's incredible. These fans, Shane, this yeah. team has been really poor uh, all season and going back to late last season, yet they continue to support this team. The team has not given up on the season. Pivotal game here. Yeah. You know, you could keep A&M at the dead last in the West if you beat them. So, like to see the energy, the positive momentum. But, uh, again, it, it all – the real story down there is the coaching search. And, mm-hmm. it you know, it's going to be a story for, for weeks because it's – they probably are not going to announce this thing till Thanksgiving at their earliest. You know what? Yeah, and and I've seen a lot of plane tracking this weekend, Mike. There's <laughs> a lot of rumors floating around. That's one thing we love about these coaching searches. It's like, well, I could see this guy doing it. So, <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of. And it, what's worse is is you know Cohen's coming from Mississippi, so they, <laughs> they they that's the one I keep seeing. I was like, well, it's probably Cohen. You know, bringing some of the family or furniture down. You know, it's yep. probably not Lane Kiffin. So, uh, but anyway, now this is this is one of my favorite parts, and and I hope they don't rush the process because sometimes I think that's what's got Auburn in trouble in the past. Yeah, 
you know, you could take some time. I don't care if he's got 150 points, you know, whatever, whatever does it, man. Just get the right guy down there and, and let's, let's, let's make, let's make Auburn great again, because it really, when it's good, when Auburn is playing at the best, that's when it's, I think it's the funnest when it's, you go into an iron bowl, not knowing who's going to win. You, you go into start to the season and it's one of those teams that just pop up. And then next thing you know, they're winning a natty or making a run for it. That's, that's how dangerous Auburn can be because they can always recruit well. So get the right guy in there. I think I think there's there's better days ahead. But like you said, fun story. Cadillac, what he's doing down there. The the fans are still bought in. The sold out crowd at night. I mean, it's going to be a fantastic football game. Uh, it, it is two opponents that any you put them in any other conference with that record, nobody's showing up. It's it's like a high school meet. But no, this place is going to be sold out. It's going to be electric, and uh, I'm I'm here for it. Now, Shane, before we get to our interviews, again, we got John Neighbors from the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, Jordy Collada, Jordy Collada Show. We did this last week. I had a good time with it. We got some good reactions. Who needs a win more this weekend? How's that sound? Yeah. We're talking head coaches here, of course. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's break it down. Now, again, there's a couple, Shane. I'm just taking them right off the table. Kirby Smart. Yeah, I mean, they got to win to keep it. Hell, they could lose it, though. It's not even going to affect their season. They'll, they'll probably right. still go to the championship. Kirby Smart, he's on top of the college football universe right now. I'm taking him off the table. Is that fair? Yep, fair. Brian Kelly, again, taking him off the table. Hell, they could lose to Arkansas. They could still win the West. You just beat Alabama. He can run for damn governor down there in Louisiana. Taking him off the table. I don't like that, though. I, I don't. I, I think this is a big game. I think there is pressure on this one. You just beat mm-hmm. Alabama. So there is some expectations to go up here and beat Arkansas. Okay. So I, I think there's a little bit of a letdown. So I would like to include him if possible. Now, he can be down further on the list because of what you said. But, mm-hmm. you know, right now they're in the captain's seat controlling their destiny with the SEC championship. Right. But, but hell, they still control it if they lose. Yeah, but still, I mean, you don't want to – I mean, the momentum for, from this point, from all these games that they played, I just – I think a letdown is the last thing LSU needs. They just need to keep that momentum. So, again, it could be down your list, but mm-hmm. I'm including them. Okay, and then the one other guy, Shane, I got him off the table again, Cadillac. I mean, yeah, yeah, great story. I don't think he's a real contender for this job. I hope they, for his sake, win, but it's not going to affect anything, win or lose for him. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Now, now that being said, Shane, I didn't put this guy on the list last time. I'm putting him on there now, but I do got him dead last. He needs a win, the least. And again, this is this is not necessarily hot seat talk. This is this is a combination of uh, maybe a little bit of hot seat, but more the program, the momentum, the season, the off season, everything put together. Nick Saban, Shane, I got him mm. number eleven on my list at Ole Miss. Again, they're not going to run him off if they lose, but. If they do, Shane, that'll be three out of four losses in the SEC, back-to-back losses, probably in the regular season for the first time since his first season, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. A lot on the line, again, not for his job or anything like that, but I think a lot, it's almost like the dynasty is dead. And it, it, you know, and it's just, I don't know. We'll be be at a key, key point of his tenure if they lose – Saturday in Oxford. Do you agree? Yeah. Well, we're already whispering. There's already articles coming out talking about coordinator change and and things like that. So 
you usually get that after a couple losses with any program, but it's it's a spot that Saban's not been in in a long, long time. So yeah, I think there's a little pressure here. Yeah. Not to mention Lane Kiffin is the is the guy across the field from you. So mm-hmm. I, I I absolutely I think Saban should be on here. This is a pivotal game. It's one he cannot afford to lose uh, because if he does, then this is just again it's going to add fuel to the fire of of piling on Nick Saban that he's he's past his prime. Right. Now, number 10 on my list, Shane Clark, Lee Vanderbilt going on the road at Kentucky. Again, they're not going to judge them if they lose this one, but hell, Shane, Kentucky has underperformed this year. Vanderbilt has, I don't want to say let games slip away, but they, you know, they are losing. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to Missouri. They are competitive in these games. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if he finally, you know, if they don't beat Kentucky, and, and they are massive underdog, I don't know if they're going to get a conference win this season. Thoughts on on putting Clark Lee on this list? Uh, I, I agree. Very low on the list. In fact, I would switch him and Nick Saban here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a little more pressure on Saban than Lee, uh, especially with you losing a quarterback out for the season, Swan, yeah. and, you know, so that's another crutch that they can lean on. But, I, I, I again, no pressure, but you're running out of time. If if you're going to get an SEC victory, it, you would think that that Kentucky is as up and down as they've been. Like you've you've maybe this is your opportunity. Uh, you know, Mike Wright's going to have to have a hell of a game. But yeah, still, if you drop it, I don't think they're firing Lee at the end of the season. Yeah. All right. How about this one, Shay? Number nine on my list, Josh Heupel, and a lot of what you said, Brian Kelly, kind of the same. But you know, we're coming off a loss. We've got to make mm-hmm. sure that we don't stumble and this doesn't come multiple losses and and we got to cap you know uh, get back that momentum finish strong there's pressure on you to to not only win but win big because you can't you know you can't have one score games against Missouri South Carolina Vanderbilt if you're a legitimate playoff team I I don't know if you can actually do that so I'm again not not much pressure on Josh Heupel but I think there is a little bit do you agree Oh, yeah. No, there's pressure because the college football playoff ranks just came out and they're not the top four. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but they're they're right there. It's very manageable. And people start – they start talking – I've already seen it, the gimmick offense and the uh, the one-hit wonders and all that talk. That, that kind of gets amplified if you drop a game to Mizzou. So, yeah. um, I, I don't I – don't, you know, and the fan base, that, that would be really deflating. For for the great season that they've had up to this point, we, we knew Georgia was going to be a tough one. It was, it was a tough football game. But losing to Mizzou, this is one that everybody's penciled in as a, as a signature win, and, and we're going to win out. That's, that's the narrative in East Tennessee if nobody's paying attention. <laughs> and if you drop to Mizzou, the, the wheels come off, and then all of a sudden we're like – we're, we're we're we had a great season, but nobody's talking about it anymore. So it's not the best season. It's not the '98 season. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure on this game. Now, how about I got Drake next, number eight on my list, Shane? Again, I, you know, expectations are low. Hell, they're a twenty-plus point underdog. I'm not sitting here saying he's got to win, but they yeah. do. They do got to steal one of these if they're going to make it to the postseason. They got to. Well, they got to win two out of the last three, and and, and hell, if yeah. you don't if you don't win here. Uh, you know, you, you got to win out just to make a bowl game. So I think a little bit of pressure here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could make the argument that Mizzou should be a better ranked team right now. There, mm-hmm. you, you look at the games that they've played. 
the 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 Kentucky that could have been a win if if they played better on quarterback. Um, yeah, Auburn could have should have been yeah. should have been a, no a victory. Georgia could have been a huge upset. So you know you look at uh, unranked Mizzou right now and you replace some of those what ifs to a couple of victories. Maybe in Florida they snuck up and catch them or something. We're we're talking about a top twenty five showdown. This thing showcased as a three thirty game again. So mm-hmm. I, I I think there's not that much pressure for for drinking company but you know you just gave them some money and, <laughs> and and you're making the commitment if you get your your doors blown out like you did last year against tennessee then you know that's the first thing i say is why the hell did we give this man so much money so mm-hmm. yeah that's the pressure i think is the fact he just took that check <laughs> <laughs> next next on my list shane sam Pittman, number seven yeah Posting LSU, I mean, this is a rivalry. You beat them last year. You'd hate to lose now at home, but your quarterback's banged up. Doesn't sound like they really know if K.J. Jefferson's going to play. So maybe that takes a little bit of heat off you. But, man, and and LSU's playing so well. It's like, hell, John, again, we're going to get this interview in just a second. But, he, I mean, he sounded deflated just talking about this matchup. Like, he's just chalking it up as an automatic ill. And if that's the consensus, I mean – as long, as long as they don't get embarrassed, uh, I don't think there's going to be much pressure on Pittman to get this one. Do you, what's your thoughts? Yeah, and, and and it's sad that we're saying that here, yeah. you know, with, with the Razorbacks. But I think that's kind of where the fan base is, is they know that this was not an ideal season, that things didn't go as planned. We've got a lot of injuries. We've got a lot of concerns and question marks floating around. And some of that does point back to Sam Pittman, but – I think the expectations are a little bit lower just given the fact that LSU's playing so damn good right now. So mm-hmm. um, I think that helps. But if LSU was limping into this thing after a Bama loss, then I'm moving it all the way up, and it's almost a must win mm-hmm. for Arkansas. So I think uh, what Kelly's done has made it a little bit easier, uh, a Lord, little easier to swallow if, uh, if, if they drop one. But I'm telling you, if you look at the Vegas spread – you know, and you can convince yourself this thing's at home. There's no reason we should lose this game. Right. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be some – there's going to be more finger pointing if Sam drops it. So, uh, a coach that we never thought would be on this list is now officially on this list, and he's toward the top now. Now, the next one on my list, Shane, Shane Beamer, South Carolina going to Florida. And I didn't realize that they even said this, Shane, but I, I caught it on the latest – Beamer press conference. They they call it the Orange Crush part of the season. They got Florida, they got Tennessee, then they got Clemson. I mean, if they again, I'm not saying they're you know they, this is a must win or anything like that. We're already bowl eligible. It sounds like Marshawn Lloyd is going to be back on the field, which is a huge boost. I guess it's a combination of Florida. Yes, they won at A and M. We got to give them credit. I'm not trying to discredit Florida, but it's not like they're some juggernauts. You know, this no. this should be a competitive ball game. And if you lose to Florida, which very may well happen, you're a, you're an underdog for a reason. If you lose to Florida, you're probably ending the season on three consecutive losses, which that's going to be tough for the fan base to take, don't you think? Very tough, but, you know, I'm, I've got them a little lower on this list. I mean, the bowl eligibility was big for that mm-hmm. victory last week. And don't get me wrong, momentum is 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 important in Columbia, especially like you said with these last three games. I didn't think about the three oranges. No wonder they hate that damn color so much. You know, <laughs> I would too. But uh, it, it doesn't get easier. 
you know, if you're picking one of the three that you need to steal a victory from, you'd think it would be this one, maybe Clemson, you know, because they've been struggling. But it it is not an easy feat, and there's a real scenario that you could drop all three of these games. But dropping two or dropping one or win it out, that would be ideal. So it it all starts one week at a time. So this one, if you're you're looking at it, you've convinced yourself this is the easy of the three. And, yes, I think it is a a pivotal game for uh, Shane and company. Now, next on my list, Shane, I got Mike Leach hosting Georgia. Now, again, Georgia, they're so elite. There's there's no expectation you're going to win this game, but this is what, again, this is what Mike Leach teams do. They surprise people. They win when they're not expected. They lose when they're not expected to. Uh, you know, there And there's rumblings. This guy's lost two Egg yeah. Bowls. His team's not living up to expectations. You know, is this the right guy for the job? You're hearing some of that. I basically just put this game up here, Shane, because if he found a way, which I realize is very, very improbable, but if he won, I mean, I don't think they could question this man ever again. You know what? Yeah. No, I mean, this is – well, not to mention you've got a you got a new boss coming sometime. You don't know who it's going to be. You don't know – I always said if you got a new boss coming in, you don't want to – be calling out all the time right before he shows up because you're just a number. He comes in and looks and like, why is Shane missing all these days? Well, let's get him out of here. You know, that's the same thing. You're getting all these losses right here. And, 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 you know, nobody's expecting you guys to win this game, but you know, if you could keep it a game, I think that's, that's the biggest part is not just getting blown out by the Georgia Bulldogs. So I, I think there's least pressure to win it, but it's, it's more pressure to lose it pretty if that makes sense <laughs> if that's even a thing i, I you just and now if you could pull off an upset oh that'd be something else but i just yeah. there there's a lot of pressure just because you got a new boss coming in anytime and you don't know if they're gonna like you exactly well staying in the same state chain lane kiffin next on my list number four hosting alabama again you're an underdog you know it takes a herculean effort to beat alabama and maybe I'm overlooking that slightly, but we said it recently. This is this has got to be the best shot to beat Nick Saban's program right here. You got a red hot team. They've they've had two weeks to prepare. I don't know. I th- if Lane Kiffin's ever going to beat Nick Saban, it feels like it's now, and particularly after last season's dud of a performance. I th- I think his team at least has got to keep us competitive. What do you think? Yeah, keep it competitive, and, and that's the narrative. And, and that Alabama is not that good. Isn't that crazy? You you lose a game by a field goal, you lose it by two points, and then all of a sudden you're not good anymore. And 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 I hate to say it, but that's what people are going to say. Like, well, yeah, I'm looking at 11th ranked Ole Miss. You know, a touchdown spread with Vegas. That, there's no reason that Ole Miss cannot come away with a victory here. And and if they don't. Then you keep saying, "Well, I don't know if Lane Kiffin can beat Nick Nick Saban," you know, and then and I don't know. It's just you play ifs and, and buts. We're going to see it Saturday, but I I don't think there's as much pressure. But you're right that this narrative that everybody can beat Bama this year is floating around, and that's that ain't easy, man. So a couple of mistakes and and that got corrected. This team is undefeated on their way to a sec championship. So, uh, unfortunately for them, they made those mistakes and now they're sitting there at a terrible season. <laughs> now, it, what a, one little thing I wanted to add Shane on the, the coaches teleconference. Yeah. Uh, Lane Kiffin was asked about, you know, being down there working for Nick Saban and these famous, uh, basketball games between the Alabama coaching staff. Yeah. 
Coach, how would you characterize your uh, your relationship right now with Coach Saban? I think it's good. We see each other at the meetings and talk, and actually the last one sat down and had breakfast uh, with Kirby and Billy Napier. So this is kind of like a old staff meeting. Um, so it's really was an awesome experience there to learn from him and one that kind of, you know, as you get further away, you even have more appreciation for everything he did for me and everything I learned from him and for him taking a chance on me and, and really saving my career. Who was the best basketball player among that quartet, Coach? I actually, which you probably wouldn't believe, never went over for basketball. And I will tell you why. They recruited me to go over, but they told me, hey, Coach picks the teams, Coach picks who guards them, and you can't, like, foul them. And you got to let them score. And I said, well, I'm not doing that. That's not in my DNA. So I never once went to the new noobs. Hey, let me ask you on this note, just just curious, is is there more pressure on this game because because of where Alabama is? You know, I, I joked earlier about Alabama being a shitty team. They're not a sh- they're a fantastic football team and you could poll the audience, nobody including Kirby Smart wants to play Alabama. In fact, he's probably the happiest that that LSU beat them. But I'm curious in your opinion, Mike, with all the noise, with all the turmoil, with all the coaching and the rumor mills and Paul Feinbaum coming out here saying there's got to be a change, is there is is that worse? Is that rat poison? For, for for Lane Kiffin, I mean, wouldn't he rather have them just kind of cruising along, barely winning these games? Oh, no doubt. That's why he calls it goat fuel, man. He's ter- You know, they're going to make an example out of Ole Miss. At least that's got to be the mindset there in Tuscaloosa. They're going to come in there. They're going to kick their ass. You doubt them. Hell, that's what – I mean, that's exactly what it was in the SEC championship. I don't think anyone – well, I think it was there was one or two people I saw picked Alabama, but – Hell, I remember I, I picked it to be a close game, and people were mocking me. They show up when you doubt them more than, than any other team I've ever seen. You know what? Yeah. I just, man, I, I'd love to be a fly on the wall down there in Tuscaloosa this week because I swear to gosh, Nick Saban better take – you better double up on that blood pressure pill. <laughs> All right, next up I list shade, Billy Napier, number three, hosting South Carolina. And, you know, I put him up here for a couple of reasons. Again, I'm not saying, you know, this is going to put him on a hot seat or anything, but you're the Florida Gator, Shane, and you're hosting yeah. South Carolina. And not, you know, they're building. They're, the Gamecocks are certainly better now than when Shane Beamer took over, but they're still not elite by any means. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Florida fan, you expect to beat South Carolina every time in the swamp. They smoked you last year in Columbia. There's a little bit of a revenge factor here, even though it's a, it's a different coaching staff. And I just think that winning in College Station, Shane, now all of a sudden you turn around and you lose at home to South Carolina. It's it's almost like one step forward, two steps back for Billy Napier's yeah. program. Do you agree with this uh, this ranking for Napier? Yeah, I, I, I probably have them a little bit lower. Uh, but, you know, again, this is a team that's not hit bowl eligibility yet. Um, the, the, the games get easier, I would say, after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Vanderbilt, Florida State right around the corner. This is big for Billy and company 
I think more for recruiting and building on the future and closing out this season strong. And if they could do that, I, I think that just helps what they're, you know, cause he, he stripped that, that place down to the, the, the studs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and I feel like this team's grown up quite a bit since that LSU game. Um, I know Georgia, you, you look at it, you watch it, you probably thought, Hey, this wasn't a good game, but damn, there was a lot of fight in that team. And, and, and they were able to get back into it there toward the tail end. And, and then what they put together last week was just phenomenal against Texas A&M. So I, I think if they could just keep momentum going and, and and that's the tape they're using look what we've got look at the pieces we have we just need a few more to 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 get that competitive debt to be successful again in the sec um so that's why i've got a lot you but if you drop to south carolina then again you're still fighting two more games to to hit bowl eligibility and and that's not what you want to do if you're billy napier now number two on my list shane mark stoops Kentucky hosting Vanderbilt. This is more about yeah. hosting Vanderbilt. You cannot lose to them. <laughs> Your team's fighting. They're clawing. They're banged up. You know, I don't want to call this a trap game, but hell, this is one everybody expects you to win. You you somehow fall yeah. on your face and you lose it. Man, any you know, there's there people be turning on you quick. So this is pressure to to win this one for Stoops, don't you think? Oh yeah. No, there, there's. This is a, this is a must win. <laughs> yeah, they may subtract some years off that contract. You drop this one, so you cannot afford to lose to Vanderbilt, especially with a backup quarterback, because that will be the narrative that ESPN uses when they drag you under the bus. So you're right. You cannot lose this one. A lot of pressure on Stoops. I, I think so. After the Tennessee game, there was little whispers, little rumors, but you come away with a victory there in Mizzou. But you drop Vandy, man, all bets are off. They're gonna they're gonna come down on you. Calipari's gonna he's gonna text you first thing in the morning and remind you that we're a basketball school. So that just leaves one guy shady. He was the number one last week and he lost. He remains number one. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher at Auburn. Until you win a game, you're you're basically gonna be number one on this list. Again, you you hit on it. You know, Cadillac, interim coach. Hell, they yeah. they fired basically half the staff by now. They they're they're down so many players they can't even throw the football. They're they're basically playing on heart and toughness and running the ball. And yeah. if you can't beat Auburn, my goodness, you you are yeah. gonna be dead last. You're the you're the second or third highest paid coach in the country. Yet you're gonna be dead last in a division. This this is a must win for Jimbo. Yeah, and you don't have the flu anymore. Everybody's healthy. <laughs> You got. I mean, there's what. There's no more excuses, right? You know, I don't want to say that because something will happen. But no, you've got to win out, man. You've got to win out if you want to. If you want to pull out a decent season and not a decent that that's that ship sailed. But there's still a possibility that you can you can close this thing out. Could you imagine? Here we've we've shat on Jimbo so much and Texas A and M. And if they can win out, including that LSU game there to tell end mm -hmm. and make a bowl game, I think that would be a monumental shift 
down there and, and maybe not looking to fire Jimbo because I still think that they're actively looking for ways to get out of that contract. So, uh, and I, I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I have nobody's text me. Nobody's filling me in, but I, I would just imagine that they've been very disappointed with the product that they've had down there and college station, because it is one of those coaches that has given, been given everything that he needs to be successful down there. And it's time. And, and it's unfortunately he has not been able to do anything with it. So, right. but closing out the season, you drop today, you drop Saturday, your, your bowl is out. And, and, and I just, I don't know, man. I, I'm not saying they're going to fire him, but damn, yeah, he's got the most pressure in this in the whole country right, right now. Yeah, I even forgot to mention, of course, bowl eligibility is on the line every time yeah. you take the field. So that just adds to it. But all right, hey, buddy, we've held off long enough. Let's get to this outstanding interview with my friend John Neighbors from the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by the man himself, John Neighbors. Of course, you know him as host of Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz at a Little Rock, and of course, the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You can also, I mean, that thing's blowing up on YouTube. If you don't know already, don't forget to give him a follow at Buzz John Neighbors. John, how's it going, brother? Man, it's uh, it's going okay. It's going okay. Things have been a little bit uh, underachieving here in Arkansas for the football program, but you know, it's we've seen a lot worse than what we've been seeing. But it has not been very fun. I would say that. Yeah, I knew things were bad, John, when the uh, CFO of Tyson got arrested over the weekend. I was like, my God, everything's going wrong here in Arkansas. So <laughs> no need to to bury that bad. But let's talk about the football team. You had me on your show on Friday. Hell, I mean, we we barely even talked about Liberty, Arkansas, because it was a 14-point spread. I thought this would just be BYU 2.0. You just, I, I, They were saying Liberty's defense was good. I didn't believe it. I thought they would just steamroll them. How shocked were you by, I mean, hell, really, it was, it was a one-sided game until Arkansas made a comeback here in the second half. Yeah, Mike, I, I think that there has been – very few games, uh, especially under Sam Pittman, where I have left completely and totally confused by the team. Now, there's been times I've been confused by the officiating, but by the team themselves, I, I did not understand anything because I, I was talking about this where it's one thing where if you lose to, to any team, because first off, Liberty is a good team. I'm not saying that Arkansas should have lost that game, but they are a really good team and well coached by Hugh Free. So got to give them credit. But it's one thing if Arkansas lost this game because Liberty was able to exploit the weaknesses of Arkansas. If they were able to throw the ball down the field, ton of plays there offensively, get a bunch of turnovers, uh, you know, the, the things and the ways that Arkansas has lost games this year, that would have been one thing. But when Liberty completely and totally stops the strengths of Arkansas, that's what I did not see coming because the big constant this season has been offensive line play and running the ball effectively. Like there's been a lot of other inconsistencies, but that has been for sure good to go every single week. And for Liberty to completely and totally dominate Arkansas's offensive line, beat them at the point of attack, stop Rocket Sanders from, from getting any sort of rhythm or anything going there. And in addition to KJ Jefferson being hurt, which is still something that was very confusing and uh, didn't really know what was going on there. 
it was just a bad combination of everything where the defense actually played really well. Like they held them to no points in the second half, but that offensive performance was atrocious. Uh, I mean, from beginning to end and, you know, the final score was only two points and Arkansas had a chance to hit a two point conversion to tie it, but the game wasn't that close. I mean, Arkansas had five points, a field goal in a uh, right before halftime and then a safety up until the midway point of the fourth quarter. So that was one of the more baffling losses I've seen in, in a long time. And it hurt because you felt like after BYU, after Auburn, you had some momentum. And now that momentum is just thrown out the window and you get to welcome in a team. Oh, LSU. That just is coming off of one of their biggest wins that they've had in quite some time. So I got to ask then, I mean, this is what we do, John, in the SEC. We hit the panic button. We got to fire everybody. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying we got to do that at Arkansas, but what's your confidence level that the, the program is headed in the right direction under Sam Pittman, or is, is this just a couple speed bumps? What's your thoughts on all that? Well, I'll, I'll say this. It's, I'm still confident in Sam Pittman. I still think that he's a, he's a good coach that can get some things done because we've seen it happen. We've seen him. He's proven that he can. But to me, there's losses that become a problem or they're problematic. That's how all losses are. And with Arkansas, I'm seeing this loss as a problem. It's a problem that you had bad quarterback play because KJ was hurt. You had bad offensive line play. You had bad everything. And it better not happen again. Like, that's the thing that I think most, a lot of Razorback fans are looking at. They're like, we're not happy. We're disappointed. We don't want everyone fired. But this better not happen again. That's how I'm viewing this game. When it becomes problematic is where you can't fix these problems. You can't fix these issues. It becomes a reoccurring theme of Arkansas losing. Like if they go up against LSU this weekend, which, I mean, I'm not saying Arkansas is going to win because LSU is playing really good right now. But if they go out there and play like they did against Liberty, it becomes problematic. And suddenly people start wondering, okay, this is a this is something that keeps happening. Something needs to change. Is it? It's not going to be Sam Pittman. Nobody's wanting Sam Pittman fired. But do they need to make a change at a coordinator position? Do they need to make a change in some other positions? Like you can't expect with the way things were going and then to have an ending like it's might be setting up to be for Arkansas, where they may barely get into a bowl game. You, you just can't have that and expect everything to be status quo the next year. So I think everybody's still good with Sam Pittman. Nobody's wanting everyone fired. There are some people that want Kendall Bryles gone. Um, but overall, I think that it's just, it's, it's one of those ones that just, you, you can't do it again. It cannot happen again. You get your one, it can't happen again. Now, I recently had, uh, Steven Lassen, senior editor, Athlon Sports on the show, and we were talking about Arkansas down the stretch. This is one of the teams I'll be most interested to see because you could talk me, John, into three and O, you could talk me into O and three and, and virtually anything in between. Do you think that's a fair statement that, uh, or, I mean, do you have a, a good idea what Arkansas is going to do these last three games, or is it is it kind of a mystery? I mean, I still think they'll beat Missouri. You know, I, I know that Missouri is an interesting team where they have played well at times, and, you know, I know they gave Georgia all they wanted, but I thought that was more about Georgia just playing bad more so than Missouri playing well. But I think one in, I think, I mean, it's hard for me to sit here and say that they're going to beat LSU or Ole Miss. And LSU especially, because LSU is surprising a lot of people and, and surprising me. I didn't think that they would be playing as well as they would be at this point in time, especially the way they started. And, yeah, I, I just, I don't have confidence in that right now. So I think that they'll go one and two. I think that they'll get at least one more win. 
two and one if they really turn it around. And that one other win would be probably against Ole Miss because I still think Ole Miss has some some weaknesses that can be exploited. Not saying that Arkansas is a better team than Ole Miss, but they have some weaknesses that can be exploited. But I think that that might be the best case scenario of this team getting two more wins and getting a seven and five because finishing out at eight and four and finishing three and zero oh, with the way that this team performed this past weekend, it, it's really just hard for me to have confidence in that. Now you kind of hit on this already, but is this a do you think a coaching issue? Is it injuries to key players? Is it a leadership issue? Maybe maybe it's all three. What? Why do you think it is that these? You know, there's a lot of these slow starts and and inconsistent performances from Arkansas. Well, you know, Mike, I mean, and just just going off of what we see in college football and in sports in general, if you get off to a slow start consistent consistently, that's a coaching issue. I mean, it is. And now, is it solely on Sam Pittman's feet? Maybe not. I think because here's the thing: uh, if you look at the numbers, Arkansas this year has gotten down 17 to nothing in Missouri State to start the game. They got down 28 to nothing against Alabama. They got down 21 to nothing against Mississippi State. They got down 21 to nothing against Liberty. Those are four games they got down by at least three scores. And Mike, three of those were at home in Fayetteville. That is a problem. You can't have that, man. Like, I get that there's going to be times where teams are going to get ahead of you, but you're at home. The atmosphere's there. They're riled up, and that's how you start. There's coaching. That's a coaching problem. And so I think, and, and this is just my reckless assumption, my reckless opinion on what it is, and just by knowing Sam Pittman and talking to him, what it looked like to me, at least in this game against uh, Liberty, is that Sam Pittman allows his coaches to coach, which is a great thing. He allowed, He's like, hey, I, my coordinator is going to run the offense. My defense coordinator is going to run the defense. I'm going to let them do it, and then I'm just going to be there as kind of managing, which is a great – it can be a really great thing. But it seemed like at least in maybe some of these games that he's just like with Kendall Bryles and the KJ Jefferson injury and not putting in Malik Hornsby when you could tell he was not 100%. Sam Pittman said, you know, I asked Kendall and he's like, hey, KJ's our guy. And so what that kind of took that as maybe Sam Pittman's just saying, hey, you know, whatever he says, I'm gonna, we're good with. And that's again, that's just my opinion of kind of putting the pieces together. And I think that that's maybe why there has been some issues where I like Kendall Bryles. I think he's still a really good offensive minded guy and a coordinator that's really good but I do think that there are some things though that he'll do just here and there that'll be pretty detrimental you know like he, he'll have all these numbers and all these stats and it'll be really good when it looks good when it's going like against BYU like against Auburn man it is clicking and it's pretty but if there's like one little big decision that he ends up making that ends up costing him or make putting the offense back you see the results of it so it's just it's it's got to be a coaching thing, and it's not me saying I want Sam Pittman fired, but you can't be having consistent starts of getting down by three possessions, especially at home, and expect to win games. That that is a major problem that has to be addressed. And you, you keep referencing KJ Jefferson. With, you know, clearly he's limited. Do you have any idea the severity of his injury and and if that's going to get better this season? And and I'm not sitting here saying he's a bad quarterback because if you match up his numbers with Jane Daniels, they're basically identical. Yet we got LSU fans saying this guy's a dark horse Heisman, and it's because they're winning football games. So I'm not sitting here saying KJ's bad, but if he is as banged up as he was against Liberty. It seems like it'd be a good idea to to roll with Malik Hornsby. Where where do you stand on that? Well, uh, Sam Pittman said, you know, take it for what it, his, his words are, but uh, he said that KJ's 
feeling much better now, and he's going to be good to go. And he says that he's been throwing in practice because last week he didn't throw in practice at all. And I think that was a big part of it. Malik Hornsby was taking the first team reps and throwing the ball, but nobody knew who was starting. Not like Jaden Hazelwood, the wide receiver, even said in the press conference after the Liberty game, he's like, we had no idea who was going to start until they said KJ starting. I think that was a big impact too. But uh, we don't know the severity. All that Sam Pittman would reveal that it was like a clavicle area somewhere up here. Uh, so, you know, that may be uh, hindering his his arm a little bit. But that was what was so uncharacteristic, Mike. I don't know how much you got to see of the game, but I was there. And I cannot tell you how many wide open touchdown wide receivers that he missed. I mean, just there was a play where Matt Landers was so wide open, he could have done cartwheels into the end zone, and he got frustrated. He just stood there after the play and stared because he's like, dude, I was wide open. And so it was – I don't know if it was maybe his fear of throwing too far. I don't know if maybe they just, like, you know, medicated him up to try to, you know, get him to fight through the pain. I, whatever it was, it, it was definitely hindering him. And if Sam Pittman says he's feeling better, then – Go with KJ, but I'm telling you, Mike, if you, if Razorback fans there in Fayetteville at 11 a.m., if they get down like, you know, 14, nothing, and they see KJ doing the same stuff that KJ was doing against Liberty, they're going to start chanting for Malik Hornsby. And then you're going to find yourself in a position. And then it's going to be really bad. So I, KJ is the best quarterback on the team when he's healthy. There's no question about that. But if you can't pull the trigger and put Malik Hornsby in there, when it is clear that KJ is having a major problem, then something needs to something needs to happen. That that is not a going to be a winning recipe uh, for anybody. And so, I'm going to assume that KJ is going to start. I'm going to assume he's healthy. But if you can tell he's not healthy, there's going to be some problems. Now you're as plugged into that fan base as anybody, John. With uh, you know all the work you do, are fans kind of like over this season, or do you anticipate that they'll show up in full force? Saturday night against LSU because if if the upset happens it's going to come in large part to these fans just like it's not often the Razorbacks get a marquee game at night for whatever reason the SEC hates Razorback fans or something <laughs> but uh, hell they made a, a big time difference against Texas I sure as hell remember that do you think they can bring that same energy and, and again I you just said you're, you're heavily leaning LSU I get it and, and you should be but can this crowd play a factor in this game well, to be honest, Mike, it's actually a, a morning game. That's an 11 a.m. game against LSU. The old oh, Miss game is the night game. So, oh, yeah, okay. I've mixed yeah, them up. But, yeah, but to answer your question, um, I think the fans will be there. I mean, I know 11 a.m. sucks. Like, everyone hates it. and But it's still LSU. You know, it, it's still, like you said, a marquee game. It's a top-10 team that you're going to be welcoming in the town. And, I, I mean, will there be as many fans there as if you would have beaten Liberty? Probably not. But I still think there'll be between 65, 70,000 fans there. Because they they love they love Razorback football and they still believe that there can be some good things going, um, but I think the crowd will be there. I think the students will be there. Again, the 11 a.m. side of it sucks and it is going to be a little bit chilly, but overall, I mean, I think the fans will at least have a make a make it an atmosphere. But as soon as it starts going bad, though, it may then people may start leaving pretty quickly because they don't want to deal with that. Why? Why in the hell? I mean, I'm sure they haven't given you an answer, but why in the hell does the SEC not give Arkansas more night games? Man, I wish I knew. Like it, it was, it was the weirdest thing. Where this is going to be the Ole Miss game is the first SEC night home game for Arkansas since 2020 Tennessee, and that was the COVID year, so no one could right. even tailgate or anything. So I'm not even counting that. And before that was 2018. So it's like every two years is when they do it. And I, I don't know. I know, I'm, like I think every Razorback fans know. Listen, we're not the big brand of Bama, Georgia, LSU. Like we understand that. 
But I feel like there needs to be some sort of rule put into place where every SEC team gets at least one SEC home night game a year, at least one. Like, I don't know if there's some there's a way of doing that. I, I like it because honestly, like people, you know, you got it on the ESPN or ESPN two and then SEC network. Like I think Razorback fans say, put us on the SEC network plus. We don't care. Just get us a night game. Let us be at night. And so it just took forever. And I hate the fact that the LSU games at 11 a.m. I understand that, you know, if it was Arkansas and, uh, you know, Missouri, which I know that's the end of the season. But if that was the matchup this week and I can understand 11 a.m. But you're telling me a top 10 team and a, quote, rivalry game battle for the Golden Boot. They're putting that at 11 a.m. Just doesn't seem right to me. Doesn't sit well with Razorback fans. Luckily, the Ole Miss game will at least be good. But people want to tailgate, man. They want to have gumbo when they're going against LSU and. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be a little bit more difficult when you have to wake up at first light and try to get out there to make sure that you get parked and ready for the game. So do you have a, a prediction yet? Have you made your official prediction for this game? Uh, I mean, I haven't had anything official. I, I am leaning towards LSU because just until Arkansas shows me something different, it's hard for me to pick them right now. But I do believe, I'm hoping that Arkansas starts off better. I'm hoping that they don't like put themselves in a bad position and put themselves in a, uh, you know, three score deficit to try to climb back out of. If they don't do that, if they start off good, if they start off strong and make it competitive, if, if at halftime it's like a one score game or maybe the lead or something, I think it'll be, I think Arkansas will be all right. And maybe it'll be a chance to win, but I just don't, if they get in that big deficit, it's going to be bad early, but I do believe LSU will win. I think, Hopefully, because it's a rivalry game, and hopefully they learned from last week, it'll be closer. But I still think at the end of the day, LSU's going to win something like 35-24, maybe something like that, 35-21. And that's also assuming K.J. Jefferson's healthy. Because I like Malik Hornsby, but here's the thing. Malik can't – he's not as good of a thrower. He's not as good of a decision maker. He can run, man. He can run fast. But if he has to play and the running game can't get going – it's a bad it's a bad look for Arkansas. So that's all assuming KJ Jefferson's healthy, which I hope he is. And the last thing I got for you, John, I sometimes I know what I'm doing on social media. I gotta admit it. And when you said something like, you know, Athens, that was the toughest environment I've ever seen. I retweeted you during the Tennessee week because I knew I yeah, knew thanks for that. Vol Twitter would jump on your ass, but you were one thousand percent right. And I even cited the the reason you put that out there. I mean, Arkansas, Georgia. What a colossal matchup that was college game day. That was a, a showdown of undefeateds. And Arkansas looked rattled as hell, just like Tennessee did last week. So did, did you at least feel vindicated after putting that out there? Well, here's the thing. Like, I did, first off, I never said anything about Tennessee. All I said, <laughs> and that was just my experience. Like, I didn't say that, oh, yeah, Sanford State. You've never been me. to Neyland. Exactly. And I admitted thing. that. I admitted that I'd never been to Neyland. And so that's what made it so funny is because all I said was, is that Sanford Stadium. And, and listen, I was with all my friends, and we've gone to different stadiums, different games. We have never heard anything like that, especially for, I guess, a noon kickoff there in Athens. Never have experienced anything that loud. And I was like, if that's if they do that against Arkansas at 11 a.m. or noon, can't imagine what they're doing against Tennessee. So that was my whole point. And then them coming after me, like, listen, Vault Twitter is the worst Twitter. Like, I, And I think they pride themselves in that. But I have never seen more grammatical errors, more misspellings more like idiotic, sensitive people that get so fired up about something that had nothing to do with Neyland Stadium at all, like nothing to do with Tennessee. 
but they just get in their feelings, man. And I was, I honestly, I did not care one way or the other about Tennessee, but after going through that, I'm like, I hope Tennessee gets smoked by Georgia. And they did like that. Georgia showed that they were the better team that day. And so it just made me happy because I'm like, see, and like you said, what was it? Like eight pre-snap penalties that Tennessee had something crazy like that. I'm like, but I'll, but Eric Ainge said it wasn't that loud, dude. Okay, you played back when it was like the Mark Rick days, you know, like this is a whole new animal here. So I, I just thought that was really funny. And I was really happy that Georgia won because I'm like, listen, I get Tennessee. You have a great season. You have a great team going on. You were deserving of being the number one team. But just like just because you, it's like I think I even put up the comparison. I'm like, it's almost like somebody giving uh, a people a superpower, like and saying, OK, with this comes great responsibility. You, you, you've earned it. Here's your superpower. You're good to go. And then the first time that somebody says to that superhero being like, hey, how come you have superpowers? They burn the city down. Like, that's how it was. It's like they just react so ridiculously over the smallest of comments that had nothing to do with them. So, I mean, again, they're passionate, man. They got passion. And who knows? They'll probably still get into the college football playoff if it plays out the way I think it will. But, I mean, listen, Sanford Stadium, I think that probably shut some people up about, oh, yeah, it's not that loud. Oh, Neyland Stadium's loud. Or maybe it is. But don't give me this decibel crap either of what they put up on the Jumbotron. It's like, oh, get loud. Oh, that that that's accurate. That has to be accurate, 100%. And then I kept getting screenshots and stuff of them sending, look what our – look what here's proof of it. I was like, oh, what you mean from the official University of Tennessee football website? That's what they said? Oh, I'm going to believe them. So I just I just thought it was so funny that something so dumb like decibel levels made an entire fan base lose their minds. It was just the weirdest but funniest thing. All right, before you go, John, tell everybody what's the best way to find all your work. Yeah, you can uh, follow the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, the number one Arkansas Razorbacks podcast in the entire world by far. You can uh, do that on anywhere podcasts are found. I have a YouTube page as well. Uh, over four thousand subs just in the past uh, eight months, so it's growing rapidly. So you can find me on there. Uh, my Twitter, Instagram, all that's Buzz John Neighbors. Very easy to find too. And I'm also on 1037 The Buzz here in Little Rock. If you're ever in the area, or you can stream it on the 1037 The Buzz app, one to four out of bounds each and every afternoon. Yeah, and I'm on there every Friday during the season, making up there. I'm making a fool of myself. So check it on out. All right, Chase. So, hey, how about it? I really got John going there with the talking some Tennessee <laughs> there at the end. Of, when Vol Twitter is your enemy, <laughs> you are in for a rough week. You know what? Isn't it wild that I don't. Maybe because I'm in it so much that I don't see it. Everybody says that, that we're violent and, and maybe I'm not following the right people or something, but I don't see it. I, I think we're very passionate, but yeah. no, I, I'm giving you a hard time. But I, I saw how you, you set that out there. I was like, golly, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had to mute notifications on that one. We even know some of the people that. that were attacking him. You know what? Absolutely. I think I retweeted a few. So no, I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> well, one more, Shane. We got Jordy Collada. He really does have the best LSU show out there, Shane. I've seen it before. I'm, you know, watching it live. He does it live every day. And some big news event will happen. He'll be like, well, hell, let me get this coach on the line. Let me get that coach on the line. He sits up there and calls him live on the air and gets them on within seconds. So Jordy Collada, if you're not watching his stuff already, check it out. Outstanding stuff for Jordy here, previewing the Arkansas game and this just magical season that LSU's having right now. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by the man himself, Jordy Collada. 
course, you know him of the Jordy Collada Show. You can follow him at Jordy Collada. And don't forget to follow the show as well at Collada Show, the most outstanding LSU show out there. I watch it every day on YouTube. Jordy, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you. Mike, thanks for having me back, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you're one of the best, so I had to get you on now that LSU driver's seat in the SEC West. But before we get to that, Jordy, I just want to ask you, how thankful are you that LSU didn't hire Jimbo Fisher? Oh, man. Um, look, it, very. Uh, if you're watching that offense play, that's very reminiscent of Les Miles, and I don't think Tiger fans could have withstood another run like they saw with Miles and, and, and what the offense looks like now for Jimbo Fisher. You know what I mean? Look, the most concerning part about Fisher is that he, he, he for a while there, had a reputation of a, a quarterback whisperer. And, you know, to see uh, the lack of development and the inability to, to, to evaluate and see who the best player is and play that guy, I, I think that there is a lot of red flags when you look at what's going on in College Station. Yeah, no doubt. Let's transition to the game on Saturday night. Death Valley, the scene looked incredible. Uh, when is the last time that you can recall Death Valley w was to the level that it was Saturday beating Nick Saban's Alabama program? Well, it was it, look, it, it was a high point for for the program. Uh, yeah, from Nick for, for for Brian Kelly's standpoint, it was something that you can you can really hang your hat on. It's something that you can you can point at in recruiting. Uh, you know, coming up, letting people know that um, that that they're trending in the right direction, and that um, you know that there is uh, positive thoughts around the program, and things are going going well. I mean, it was as good of a win in a first year that a coach has had around here in a long time, and you know, Kelly is only growing from this. I anticipate that they close the year strong. I think they have a great opportunity to go to Atlanta, which you know is really you know to crazy to say out loud and. Um, it, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been an unbelievable run up to this point. Any surprise that Brian Kelly went for two and, and went for the win there? You know, in the moment, I, I can't say that there was, but you know, I mean, it, you know, looking back on it and kind of having a chance to kind of digest and think about it, it does make sense. You know I mean? Having and hearing Kelly say that if you had given him one chance to win the game and one play that he'd have taken it. And, you know, that's what he did. I mean, it, 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 it's, you know, the, the, the officiating was start to trend in the wrong direction. They weren't, um, you know, trying to, uh, they, they, they weren't looking like that, that, that they were going to get, um, you know, a fair shake there after the, 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 the tip ball and, the, uh, you know, an overtime that was, that, that was allowed to, to reset Alabama. But, um, you know, I, I think that that, that moment will live on forever for Kelly at LSU. I mean, that'll kind of be the moment that, um, you know, it all kind of, the, the the momentum of the of the public, the entire fan base, got behind him and said, "Look, man, you're our guy." So uh, it's been uh, it's been it, it's been a heck of a week in turnaround. But now here they are, you know, kind of Wednesday of game week, and a lot of people are still talking about Alabama. They they they, they have to shift their focus to Arkansas coming up this weekend because uh, if they were able, you know, to uh, to go up there and, and and take care of business, they 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 really have locked themselves into a an SEC Western Division uh, crown. And how wild is that to even consider, Jordy, given the fact that, uh, you know, week one was – that was an ugly showing, but even fast forward a month getting 
defeated soundly at home to Tennessee. Could you ever have imagined that you'd be sitting here uh, a week into November with the the LSU Tigers number one in the West? Really is a crazy story, you know, Mike, to think about. Think about where they've come from. I mean, when they were pulling out of Houston in January, they had 38 scholarship players. They had wide receivers playing quarterback. They were just a, a mismatch of a team and, you know, with little direction and, you know, curious about what the the, the next couple of years were going to look like. And, and Brian Kelly came in with his staff and was able to raid the transfer portal and get some guys in recruiting. And, you know, you really start to see that stuff pay off. You know, I mean, that was Mason Taylor, the true freshman that caught that touchdown pass. Harold Perkins, the true freshman, was the SEC Defensive Player of the Week. And you know, Emory Jones and Will Campbell are both true freshmen that are starting on the offensive line and held their own against – NFL competition on, on, on Saturday. So uh, it's just a lot of bright spots, a lot of things that have taken shape here very early, uh, maybe earlier, a lot earlier than people anticipated for LSU as they, uh, you know, come down the stretch here with a real opportunity to go to Atlanta. Now, certainly Brian Kelly, he's going to be up for SEC Coach of the Year. Hell, I, I would probably even put him up for National Coach of the Year. But looking at his assistance, Jordy, Brad Davis, offensive line coach, you mentioned it, playing with freshmen, offensive tackles, that multiple freshmen offensive tackles, that's unheard of in the SEC. The the lineup, they've had they've had to have guys in and out all season long due to injuries and, and things of that nature. You also got Matt House, who's I think he's killing it as a defensive coordinator. He's brought back the defense as a strength of that program. If you had to pick one, Brad Davis, Matt House. Who do you think's done a, a better job this year? Oh man, I, I think it's unfair to label them better because both of them have done an outstanding job. I, I would even throw Jamar Kane in there. You know, the defensive line coach. He lost one of his best players, his best player, yeah. maybe one of the best players you know in the league on 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 the uh, second drive of the season, and has really not missed a beat. They their staff is is very talented and you know puts in a lot of hard work. You can tell their preparation. Uh, you can tell the attention to detail, and look, LSU is 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 got a really good staff getting them prepared. And I think it may have Matt House to see what he's done. I mean, all of the tests that he's gone up against, whether it's you know the the, the air raid and Mike Leach or Hendon Hooker in Tennessee, uh, you know Mississippi, uh, excuse me, Auburn and a true freshman quarterback, uh, you know Anthony Richardson and in, in, in Florida. I mean, it's just. It's been somebody different. Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, they just had a plan and they've executed and they've done uh, a really good job of preparing each week for a different opponent and um, you know coming out with with, with stuff that 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 looks uh, very effective. Now, do you think it's time to put Jane Daniels in the Heisman Trophy consideration, or, or does does he have to finish the season strong to, to possibly get to New York? No, I think he's a dark horse. I think he's a guy that you know could continue to play at this level and get some attention. I think, you know, there's some guys that are ahead of him in the race that are probably a little bit louder and making a name. But, you know, I think you have to look at what he's done, you know, especially over the last month and, and, and how LSU has performed and what what the impact that he's had in that. And it's been enormous. So, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of backdoors in for an invitation. Now, can he even come back next season? I was unclear on that. I thought I had heard him previously say he'll be back for another year. Has he officially declared anything? He's not declared anything. Uh, he does have the opportunity to come back. 
you know, I mean, they still have three weeks left in the regular season. So I think there's still time to make that decision. But I think he's playing himself into a spot where he'll have to make a choice, which, you know, I think, you know, a month ago, three months ago, six months ago, was crazy even to say out loud. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Harold Perkins. You know, he, he's the next in a long line of LSU Tigers that have been just outstanding as true freshmen. I think of Derek Stingley, maybe the best freshman mm-hmm. we've ever seen as, as a corner, Leonard Fournette. Do you put Perkins in that conversation as in their class of, of just, I mean, my God, Jordy, he may be one of the best linebackers in the country. Oh, I think he is. I don't, I don't think you can argue that at, that at this point. The impact he has on the game is – you really can't even calculate it. I mean, you know, the numbers are there and you can see, you know, the stats and, but, but what you can't account for is just how, how smart he is, how, how athletic he is. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the mind games he plays with the quarterbacks, he was, he was in Bryce Young's head early on. He had him rattled and uh, you could see that he was, he was finding where, where 40 is. And yeah, I agree. He's, you know, he's in that class of Tyron Matthew and Fournette and Derek Stingley of guys that have come in here and, and made instant impacts as freshmen and really, you know, kind of gone down in the in the lore of, of LSU football history of, you know, somebody that just is, uh, you know, impact guys that can play at such a high level. Now, we can't overlook a game this weekend on the road, early game. Arkansas is a dangerous team, even though they're a little banged up, coming off an embarrassing loss. LSU should win this game, but do you have any level of concern that this is a big trap game coming off an emotional win at home against Alabama? Any, any concern that, the, hell, the odds makers think this will be a tight one? How about you? Look, I think that, you know, by, by every sense of the definition, it is a trap game, but I, I really, like I said this morning on the show, I, I think Brian Kelly will prove his value this Saturday much more than he did last Saturday, and he was enormous versus Alabama, but these are the games where he'll show his brilliance, you know, where this is a classic letdown, classic trap game, but I think they'll have the team prepared to play. I think they'll have a good plan. I don't think that they'll let the elements like the cold and, you know, the 11 a.m. start get to them, and, um, you know, they are the better team, and I think that they will play like the better team, and I think that they will, you know, represent themselves like they are the better team, and that's, you know, that, that that's, what Brian Kelly was brought here to do to, to, to change the culture and turn LSU into a consistent winner. And I think these, these are the days where you're seeing that take shape. Now, final thing for you, Jordy is as LSU continues to get better week in week out, who knows how, how good they'll be in three weeks, a month from now, if they finish the deal, they're headed to Atlanta. Do you give them a shot to pull the upset? Cause, cause everybody's going to be picking Georgia and Georgia will be a favorite, probably a, 10-point favorite, maybe even a little bit more. Do you, do you get, If LSU continues to improve, could you see it to where they win in Atlanta over the Georgia Bulldogs? Look, it'll be a tough task. You know, Georgia is uh, – they're a monster right now. They're a machine, um, and they're deep. They're talented. That, that's, a, that's a quasi-home game for them in the Georgia Dome. Um, so that, that will be – a tough hill to climb if, if that's the draw, which it looks like it will be. Uh, but, you know, look, LSU is, is a dangerous team right now because they believe, you know, they, they, they are bought in. They, they think that they are one of the best teams in the country. They're playing like one of the best teams in the country. And, you know, I mean, look, when, when you got that, 
it, it doesn't really matter what 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 you're taking on or what the outside thinks because um, you know that's a dangerous weapon. And, and LSU right now is, is is playing like a very uh, like a very dangerous weapon because they 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 believe the coach has got a lot of trust in them. They have a lot of coach, uh, uh, trust in the coach. So uh, I, I really do believe that is. Um, you know that this is that, that that this is kind of where LSU is in its growth pattern of you know building a consistent winner, which is like we said, Brian Kelly was brought in here to do. Now, Jordy, before you go, can you tell my audience where to find your work? And, and it really is. It's the best LSU content you're going to find. Jordy's Rolodex, I mean, my God, he'll be sitting there on the show. He'll get a head coach on the line. He'll get a new commit on the line. He knows everybody down there. Tell the audience where they can consume your content. Uh, appreciate that, Mike. Easiest way to do it is at Colada Show uh, on uh, any uh, social media platform. Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook, wherever you're looking for us, you can hit us at Colada Show and on YouTube. We're there uh, 7 to 9 a.m. each day. Absolutely. And we'll put a... We'll put that in the show notes for the audience to find. Thank you again, Jordy. I really, really appreciate you. Anytime you need me, man, reach out. I'm happy to join your show again. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Have a good one. See ya. All right, Chase, so some outstanding stuff from Jordy. Man, it don't get much better than that, does it? John Neighbors, no. Jordy Collada, back-to-back. All this SEC content. We've been hitting all the teams on this episode. Uh, just, man. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, Shay, but that yeah, was a great show, wasn't it? No, it's great, man. It's the the Golden Boot. Is that like the largest trophy <laughs> it, that the SEC battles for right now? I guess you could say the beer keg, but we're not we're not really using that one anymore. So the Golden Boot is 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 massive. So it's yeah. going to be a hell of a matchup. It's it's great hearing these guys talk. Uh, a lot of a lot of confidence, and then not so much confidence. You know what I love about that trophy, Shay? Whoever wins it. Uh, they generally do not clean the the losing side. So, like, if, when Arkansas wins it, they don't clean the Louisiana side. So, it's all scuffed up and dirty and, and nasty. <laughs> when LSU wins it, they don't clean the Arkansas side. So, uh, you know, you get one golden shiny, looks like a million bucks. The other looks like something you pulled out of the dang bottom of the trash bin. Uh, I mean, that's rivalry right there. You know what? I think they just sit it down there too. It's like, oh, oh, don't forget, it's over here at the the Gatorade table. They got the big boot sitting here. <laughs> There's nothing more demoralizing than bringing a trophy into a stadium and having to surrender yeah. it. You know, so hey, this Absolutely. is the stuff we gotta remember. It's why we love the the beer barrel that they've taken them from us. They but- should do. Mike, they should do more of that. You know, the yeah. more I think about it, I, I truly think if if one of these guys win or lose, you know, Sam Pittman, uh, in, in this case, it'd be uh, uh, Kelly sitting there at the fifty yard line with the trophy and having to <laughs> surrender it. Could you imagine? I, I just think that would be great. Forget the handshake. Nobody gives a shit about that. They want to see, unless it's Deion Sanders out there, just hand that trophy over. And I want, I want to just, I want to see that that moment. That's what I want to see. So they should do something better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Is Claudia? Does he got a uh, what's his name? Mayor uh, SEC guy head honcho. Uh, Golly, Sankey, terrible tonight. Yeah, Sankey's. He got him on the line. Pull, pull him up. I want to see if he can uh, discuss this with the with the company uh, in the off season because I think that's what we should do, brother. Yeah, we don't have enough of them, but that's what I was gonna say, Shane. We're getting to that time of year, rivalry games, yeah. trophies on the line. Cannot wait. The weather's just beautiful outside. Cannot wait 
for another all SEC weekend of games. But I think that's going to do it, buddy, on this episode of the show. Mm-hmm. You got anything before we hop off the line? No, just getting excited again. Ready for <laughs> football. Tomorrow we'll have our picks. Uh, so we'll probably be wrong on those. Going to make you some money this weekend. Just bet the opposite. is Cousin Shane and, and, and Big Cousin Mike. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, absolutely, brother. I appreciate you. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs> <laughs>